This is your Wednesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Theme of today's show is defense, defense, defense. Gophers defensive end Boy Mafe will join me here in a little bit to talk about the big game coming up Saturday against Wisconsin at Huntington Bank Stadium. Good conversation with him. Chris Hine, who covers the Timberwolves for the Star Tribune, will join me as well, setting up Wednesday night's game against the Miami Heat and old friend Jimmy Butler and talking about the surprisingly good Timberwolves defense this season. But first, what did I miss? We've got to talk about two college basketball uh, stories here, both involving Minnesota, Minnesotans at least. Um, number one, Chet Holmgren playing for Gonzaga. On uh, on Tuesday night, they absolutely dominated UCLA, and a big part of that was Chet Holmgren and the way he affects a game on both ends of the court. He was kind of the star of Twitter um, on Tuesday night. Obviously, the Minnehaha Academy product uh, could be the number one pick in the draft next season following Jalen Suggs to Gonzaga. Had a block on one end of the court. He's a seven-footer. You know, he's rail thin at this point still but uh, still that that frame could could add a little bit of pounds as the years go on but right now the way he plays he's kind of like got a guards mentality in a seven footer's body blocked a shot brought the ball all the way up the court and made an unbelievable move to finish with a dunk um just a just the way he impacted that game an 83-63 win over UCLA uh was just a a, a real show, number one against number two. I mean, they be, winning that game by 20 points, having Chet Holmgren have the impact that he had. Holmgren finished with 15 points, four blocked shots in the game. So kind of, you know, the college game, I feel like, has always maybe had a more defensive element to it. But it's kind of fun to watch defense these days because a lot of sports have turned more towards the offensive side, especially as you think about football, college football, the NFL, and the NBA, and it's starting to turn back a little bit more, and it is fun to watch a team that knows how to play defense, and as a segue to that, Gophers men's basketball, haven't talked enough about them lately, 4-0 and start to the season, and a lot of that keyed by defense, Ben Johnson's defensive mentality, Dave Thorson, his assistant coach, his mentality in, in helping them. Um, you know, become a, a just a real aggressive team on the ball. Marcus Fuller wrote about that in Wednesday's Star Tribune and in StarTribune.com. Gophers first in the Big Ten in three-point percentage defense, 23.9%, and first in defensive rebounding, getting 33 a game, second in steals at a little over eight per game. Found an interesting nugget in that story as well. They have a term called kills, where if you get three defensive stops in a row, they term it a kill. That's a Dave Thorson thing from back at De La Salle where they played suffocating defense. Now, I do wonder a little bit if that, you know, the defense will come back to the pack a little bit. Three-point percentage defense tends to be a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a volatile stat and as teams make more threes on them and as they get against bigger opponents who can exploit them in the paint, they might come back to earth a little bit, but they do have the right mentality. They are aggressive on defense, and uh, it is showing up this season in their 4-0 and start to the year. Gophers looking to make it 5-0 and tonight. Pretty much everybody plays tonight. They play Jacksonville tonight. Um, 
Wolves, of course, play the Heat and Jimmy Butler tonight. That one's at Target Center. The Wild plays in New Jersey. Nobody played Tuesday night. It was like I was kind of looking, actually had some time to watch some sports on TV. Nothing was on really on um, on Tuesday night, but uh, everything on Wednesday night. So you'll want to check that out and see if that defensive trend, at least for the Gophers and for the Wolves, which I'll get into with Chris Hine here in a little bit, will continue. Happy to be joined right now by Boy Mafe, senior defensive end, although like he reminded us a little while ago, could come back next year if he wants to still. Uh, Boy, before we think about that, though, we got to think about Saturday's game against Wisconsin. The opportunity in front of you, you've been through a bunch of these already. What does this opportunity mean to you? I mean, it means everything. Being from Minnesota, playing in your hometown state, especially being a home game, uh, I mean, with the lights and having the crowd that we're going to have this weekend, Saturday, it means the world to be able to go outside in front of the stands, in front of our fans from home, our hometown, our home state, and represent our state as a whole. I think the cliche is people always say it goes fast. And, I mean, if if this does wind up being your final home game, I mean, against Wisconsin, against, you know, with a lot possibly on the line, does it feel like it's gone fast or has kind of the you know the strangeness of last season does does everything kind of blur together how do, how do you think about the the big picture of everything that's happened here I mean, it always goes fast. You know, once you get into a season, once you get into the whole routine and everything after fall camp, you know, the weeks start, you start getting into the routine and it just starts going this week by week by week by week. Next thing you know, you look up and it's like, oh, wow, there's only two more games, one more game. How many ever games there's left? And it, I feel like every season does end up going faster than normal and you don't realize it till the end. And now being in one of our last regular season games, I mean, it's here and it's, we're ready for it. I think we're just going to go out there and prepare as we always do every week and making sure that our coaches keep put us in our best position for every week, every game. <laughs> You've seen Wisconsin enough times. You've, you kind of, I'm sure you grew up seeing some of the trophy games. Just there, they don't have a lot of surprises to them. They want to, you know, kind of wear you down, pound you down, things like that. How do you prepare for a team like that where you kind of know what's coming, but it's still pretty, pretty tough to stop sometimes? Uh, I mean, the best thing is just making sure that we stand our details. Uh, the biggest thing that we have to do this week really is making sure that we're doing our job to the best of our ability, but making sure that even though they keep doing the same things and similar things, just making sure that our details no matter throughout the game, that they stay to par. And we keep doing our job throughout every play, and no matter what situation arises to us, we just respond from every situation. When you were getting recruited here, you know, four or five years ago, however long it was at this point, maybe six even at this point, when the recruiting starts, like what – and as you thought about what your experience might be like, have you, what, how, how is the reality matched up with the, the thought of playing for your hometown team? I mean, when it comes to football, it means this means the world to me to be able to represent my home state, being having my friends and family close enough to the, where I can talk to them and hearing people talk about how nice it is for me to be able to play for my hometown state means the world to hear those type of things. On top of that, being able to represent my hometown state, I think it means the world to me. And the experiences I've had in college, I mean, I think they've blown out past or past my expectations. And it's been a whirlwind, honestly, to go through everything that, you know, throughout my career. And now that I'm be able to say that I've played here and done everything I wanted to do, play for Minnesota, I mean, it means the world to me and my family and all my friends around. I heard you in the group setting, and I think Tanner Morgan said the same thing. You guys are very focused on Saturday. Not really worried about what happens in the Iowa-Nebraska game on Friday, even though You'll, I'm sure if, at some point you'll know what happens. You'll know what's at stake in Saturday's game. How does P.J. Fleck keep you guys so focused on just the, the kind of the one-game championship mentality? 
I mean, the biggest thing I've realized is that, you know, throughout the years of being here, when you do focus on the external, you look outside of what you need to focus on. It brings a lot of stress and a lot of pressure on yourself that you can't control. So the biggest thing we talk about is the controllables and the uncontrollables and the things that you can't control. You don't really focus on those because regardless of you focus and worrying and thinking about those all the time, you can't change anything about it. But the fact is the things you can control, the things you can worry about, like our game on Saturday, those are things that you can control and take Per, uh, precautions and go through your process of preparing for those type of games those are things that you focus on but the things you can't control like what happens on friday those things you can't really take waste your time or necessarily focus and put all your energy into those type of things but those are the sorts of things we love to write and talk about in the media man <laughs> you're killing us <laughs> i hear you i definitely hear you and I, it's it's something that i think that helps us out as a team to make sure we're on the right track because I feel as if, you know, you have your players distracted and focusing on other things that that's, defeats the purpose and that steals away from your end goal as a team and the things that you want to focus on. One more thing for you, boy. I'm really appreciating your time here. If if you guys are going to win Saturday, what, what do you, what do, give me two or three keys to, to how that's going to be accomplished. I think we just got to play team ball. The biggest thing is that we got to come into this game ready to play team ball and ready to play with each other, play as a unit. There's no individual heroes. There's no one that has to do anything crazy. No one has to play out of their mind. The biggest thing is that we all have to do our job and do it to our best of ability. And if we do that and we stay together as a unit, offense, defense, special teams, and everyone play as cohesively, I mean, the rest is, you know, rest uh, gives us a better chance for this Saturday. Boy, I appreciate it. Take care and good luck Saturday, all right? Thank you. Appreciate you too. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Enjoyed catching up with Boy Mafe. Of course, huge game Saturday against Wisconsin. I'll have Tanner Morgan, Gophers quarterback, on Thursday's show to help set up that game as well. Happy to welcome Chris Hine back on Daily Delivery. Covers the Wolves for the Star Tribune. Um, Last time I talked to you, Chris, it was probably a less happy occasion i think we were probably talking about what's wrong with the wolves why what's uh what, when are they going to get this kind of sorted out are they going to go on a west coast trip and it's going to be doom and gloom and to be honest the the trip wasn't great they played okay in a couple of those games but ever since they got back uh it's been awfully good they had the loss to the suns but that was a close game could have gone either way and then four wins in a row heading into Wednesday night's home game against Jimmy Butler and the heat. Um, what, uh, what, what do we make of this, uh, this, this stretch of play, Chris? Well, you know, I think this is what they should have been doing at the beginning of the season, which is beating the teams that are, you know, potentially finishing below them in the Western conference. Uh, you know, the Memphis win was, was, a, was a great win. Um, but you look at the other three teams that they beat, New Orleans, Sacramento, San Antonio. Like, you know, if we're, if we're looking at this from the perspective of what will it take to get in the play-in, where, where 10 teams from the Western Conference now qualify for the playoffs, if you want to call it the play-in, the playoffs, uh, those are the teams that you have to beat, those three teams, because you got to finish ahead of them, Oklahoma City and Houston. You finish ahead of, of that group of five teams, and you're at least the 10th seed. So... From, from that perspective, I think they showed that, you know, at least th- they know now that they are better than these than, than these teams that are at the bottom of the Western Conference. It took them a while to to maybe reach this level, but but, you know, these last three wins have been very convincing. 
they have, and they do sit in 10th place right now in the West. And, you know, like you said, a few years ago, that doesn't get you a whole lot, but now it gets you into that conversation where you're, you're in that play in and have a chance at least to get into that final eight and, and get into the big, you know, the big series at the, uh, you know, in the playoffs. Um, they've been doing it. And like, like you said, they've been some convincing wins and they've been doing it uh, with some consistency now in the starting lineup. And I, I wanted to reference a blog post you had about how their current starting five, which is, you know, Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, of course, um, and then uh, then Jared Vanderbilt and Patrick Beverly has been awfully good. In fact, um, best in the NBA, not the largest sample size yet because we're still pretty early in the season, but the highest net rating of any uh, any five person combo in in the league. If that's if I believe that's what you wrote, and they've had some consistency. Now all all those guys have started each of the last uh, each of the last seven games. Correct? Yes, that's right. Uh, yeah, that that stat comes from nba.com and it's of, of five man groups that have played at least 25 minutes together this season i think they've played somewhere in the i want to say the 80s together that that grouping so yeah they've been th- this lineup has been working um you know they, they seem to have like kind of a set thing going on with their rotations um in terms of when guys are coming out and and you know sub them back in and it's just, it's been working. Like last night, uh, I think defensively, you really saw uh, what what Beverly and Vanderbilt can bring to the table on that end of the floor. Um, they you know they don't win that game last night, or that game at least isn't as uh, much of a blowout as it was without defense, all the turnovers that they helped force, and the uh, the second chance points. So those hustle stats, which Vanderbilt is very good at, and Beverly is is very good at, uh, you know they they can help win on the margins, so to speak. And I, I think you, you saw that in these last couple of games here where, you know, when the Timberwolves rebound well and, and they play halfway decent defense, they're in any game and, and they'll, they'll beat teams like New Orleans and like the Spurs and, and Sacramento when they, when they play like that, or at least when they give that consistent kind of effort. You know, coming into the season, that was the biggest thing was, you know, how is this team going to be good defensively? And, I think, you know, through the, through the first stretch of the season here, I think we have at least enough evidence to say that while they might not be a top 10 defense, like they are uh, currently rated in terms of defensive efficiency, uh, it feels like they're, they're, they could be middle of the pack, which is kind of what their goal was coming into the season. I, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I think we have seen enough of that, that that's been – the most consistent part of their game this year that when they've, when they've won, it probably has been more the defense than the offense. And that is definitely surprising. Um, Number seven in defensive rating in the league right now, best in the league over the last five games. Again, I think that's, uh, you know, some of that was coming against opponents that have a little bit of a harder time scoring. So we'll see that come up a little bit once they face some better offensive teams. But I, I think it's true. I think, Patrick Beverly's influence and addition cannot be uh, stated enough. I think you're seeing, you know, kind of, kind of almost what they, and, and again, this is a, you know, a, a slippery slope and we're going to see Jimmy Butler Wednesday night, but, but kind of the impact that Tom Thibodeau wanted Jimmy Butler to have on the defensive end. Maybe we're seeing a little bit of that from Patrick Beverly right now, just a good communicator, someone who sets a tone with a certain number of 
hustle plays and you know, always being in the right place, communicating well, those sorts of things. I think Jared Vanderbilt, um, his versatility on defense where you can, you know, kind of, he switches on a lot of different guys. He's not out of place guarding out on the perimeter. He, he's, you know, a willing rebounder, does a lot of that dirty work. And you combine, you know, him and Beverly on the court at the same time. Um, and then you just got a, a strategy where they seem to just be kind of scrambling, chasing people out of, off the line and just trying to make every, every first shot a difficult one. And I think the, the downside of that has probably been they've given up a lot of rebounds, that their defensive rebounding percentage has been down at the worst of the league for a lot of the season. But the trade-off is I think they can test shots better than I've seen any Wolves team contest shots, especially from the perimeter um, for a very long time. And I think that's going to win them some games this year. I think, I think you're right. I was just watching some of the effort, you know, on some of the possessions last night. And just, I was saying to myself, basically like this is, this seems different from a year ago and, and two years ago when, you know, it seems like teams could get open threes against the wolves at will, you know, they, at least they have to work for it now. And, you know, we'll see how their, how their three point defense balances out over the course of the season. There's always, you know, some, some variance in, in those numbers right now, those numbers are really good in terms of uh, what opponents are shooting from three point uh, land against them. Um, but I do think that they're making it harder for teams than, than past Wolves teams have done. You could just see the effort and guys flying around. Um, and like you said, that, that does leave the rebounding leaves something to be desired for that. But, you know, last night, uh, against a, a, a team and a big man in Valanciunas who, who who ate them up uh, in their second meeting in Minnesota, you know they ended up out rebounding New Orleans. That was because New Orleans was was missing a lot of shots. But you know New Orleans had sixty rebounds in that second meeting when they got a win, and they didn't come close to that last night. So you know I think I think the defense has shown some signs of improvement. I mean the rebounding has shown some signs of improvement. Um, and especially when you have Vanderbilt cleaning up the offensive glass, you might you might at least get some some chances, uh, you know, second chances of your own at the very least. Yeah, and it feels like the offense is starting to come around, even though they didn't make a lot of shots on, you know, in that in that game in that win over the Pelicans on Monday. They did, uh, you know, I, th- I felt like the shots they were getting were largely good. They were just missing them, and they still scored 110, and that's enough when your defense has been playing as well as they have. I think they've held five straight opponents under a hundred points, which I'd be hard pressed to tell you the last time that happened for a, a Wolves team. Maybe there was a span in there with Covington or something that I'm forgetting, but that does not seem like a very Wolves like stat. And, you know, I think a lot of it is that that core unit. I'm, I'm curious from your perspective, I know you touched on this already, but I wanted to circle back on it. Is it, do you think it's more, cohesiveness and having a chance to kind of have this set starting five, or do you think these five players in particular play well together and their, their kind of skills mesh like that? Um, I don't know. We, we'll see how, how this, how this lineup goes forward. Um, you know, it's working well right now, but it, you know, things can change fairly quickly in the NBA and matchups can foreshadow things. Um, I do think when you look at the skill set, you know, you've got three scores on the floor in, Delo Townsend Edwards. You're going to have that with whatever starting lineup you have, obviously. But when it comes to the other two pieces that you surround them with, Beverly, obviously very good defender, um, very good offensive rebounder, uh, very good rebounding guard in general. 
can knock down the three. So, you know, he's not a, he's not a liability on offense. Vanderbilt in terms of like the half court offense, you know, there's not really much for him to do in that sense, besides set some screens and, and, you know, look for maybe open passes near the rim. And then of course, offensive rebounding. So, but when you have four players who the other team has to pay attention to, he at least, you know, he, he, you can kind of hide him on offense, so to speak, because the, the, the opponent has to pay attention to the other players on the floor with Jaden McDaniels earlier in the season, we were seeing McDaniels just getting foul trouble. Um, you know, and it just, it just, he wasn't staying on the floor with any kind of regularity in the starting lineup. So, you know, Vanderbilt comes and takes his spot, even though McDaniels might be, or McDaniels is a better offensive player than, than Vanderbilt from that perspective. Um, but I just think, you know, when, when Edwards and Towns and Russell are, are, Beverly are shooting threes, there's Vanderbilt racing to the offensive glass and, and it's been a, a winning formula on offense. And it was last night because, you know, like you said, they, they didn't shoot well, but they, they end up scoring 110 points. And that was because I think they had 26 second chance points, if I'm not, if I'm not uh, mistaken. So that's, you know, 10, 10-ish field goals or so that were generated off of offensive rebounds. Yeah, and a lot of points off turnovers too. So defense creating offense in that game. I mean, they've, they've really yet to see Malik Beasley get it going from from deep. He's had a couple games where he's got it going. I think Jaden McDaniels has had a slow start, although he's had a little bit better go of it lately. So it's not like they've done this with everybody clicking on all cylinders. That said, it does feel like kind of as a as a philosophical shift. It does feel like they're going through cat a little bit more now. I know Anthony Edwards had that monster first quarter the other day they kind of you know spurred them on to that that big win um the other day but you know by and large it 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 felt like early in the year there was a kind of a transition happening to be more of an anthony edwards team and i feel like they've maybe kind of pulled back on that a little bit and said well wait a minute this this guy is going to be really good and he already is um a dangerous player but the, the best offensive player we have right now is carl anthony towns we're doing a disservice to ourselves if we're not playing through him more yeah and and i think that the big thing is not necessarily even picking one or the other it's just trying to find a way for for these guys to just play uh, off each other you know and i think early in the season and chris finch has talked about this of late i think edwards and towns and, and russell were i think individually maybe putting it on themselves to try and jumpstart the offense and just jumpstart the season for this team. And now I think they've taken some of the pressure off of themselves. They're, they're playing a little more, a little more freer. I think offensively, I think you saw cat last night, you know, Hey, if, if, if teams aren't going to double team cat in the post um, you know, he, I think he reminded people last night, just how dangerous he can be uh, when you don't uh, give him the, that attention. And, you know, if they, if teams do give him that attention, we've seen him struggle with it at times this year, but, you know, I, I think, I think they're, they're starting to figure it out a little bit more, just how to play with each other. I think you've seen that over the last week or so. It'll be interesting to see where this goes, how, and the question with this team just in general is how consistent can this be? You know, how consistent can this effort be? How consistent will some of these younger players be on a nightly basis like Edwards, like a McDaniels, um, a Vanderbilt? 
And that's the biggest question when you have a young roster, just how consistent it is going to be. Things are going well right now, but they're about to enter, you know, the, uh, I think over the next month or so, possibly the toughest month on their schedule. And we'll see what, what, what kind of stuff they're made of uh, over the next month or so. Yeah. I like that as a transition point to the kind of the final thought I was peeking at their schedule as well. Obviously the heat and Jimmy Butler at target center on Wednesday night. Um, they got Charlotte, which is an interesting game. You got, uh, you know, uh, LaMelo ball playing really well there right now. And you got the Anthony Edwards, LaMelo ball kind of storyline there. And I believe it's Philadelphia after that. And that's, you know, always an interesting matchup with cat and Joel Embiid Philadelphia playing pretty well so far this season, even without the much discussed Ben Simmons. Um, so, you know, some, some games that'll bring out a little bit of emotion in some of their best players, presumably. And yeah, how they handle that will be interesting. Um, the heat game is, you know, probably it's one of the best teams they've faced this year. I mean, they've, they really haven't played a great team. I think outside of golden state, I think the bucks, you know, obviously defending champs winning that game on the road, the Lakers, those are name teams, but they're not going great this year. You know, the heat probably playing, you know, outside of golden state playing about as well as anybody they've played this season. So a real opportunity there to show, you know, growth in a lot of different areas, I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it'll be a fun atmosphere. Um, one thing that I that I wrote about for uh, Wednesday's paper is this is the second four game win streak that they've had in the last two seasons. But before these two uh, four game win streaks, the last one you'd have to go back to just after they traded Jimmy uh, to uh, to Philadelphia, and and in that stretch where yeah, I think they went like nine and three or something like that after yes. after they traded Jimmy. There was a four-game win streak in there. That was, and that was the last time that they had a four-game win streak. Uh, the last time they had a five-game win streak was, I think, three separate times in Jimmy's full season. So there's a little bit of symmetry going on here. Uh, you know, if they can beat the Heat, it'll be their first five-game win streak since since Jimmy's year here, and he's the guy that can that can stop them from getting to five straight. And of course, you've got uh, you've got the the added incentive of the matchup of him and, and Carl, and you know they they exchanged some words that were caught on microphone uh, last year in Miami. We'll see if any of that continues tomorrow night. Always a always a fun storyline to follow for for social media purposes. Um, so I think it's going to be a fun atmosphere. The great, like you said, a great test, and and we'll we'll see what they're we'll see a little bit of what they're made of tomorrow night. We will. Um, we'll see if the Heat become the latest frustrated opponent too. I, I was wondering. Uh, I was going to bring that up, and then I saw you wrote about it too. I loved the uh, the Tristan Thompson stuff the other day, where he was mad that the Kings lost to the Wolves and a bunch of other teams, and um, some other opponents have been frustrated about losing to the Wolves. Maybe uh, Jimmy Butler will be the latest one of those. I know it seems like the, the worst thing that can happen to a, to any team right now is that they lose to the Timberwolves because it's <laughs> the Sacramento fires their coach a few days later. Uh, the, San, the San Antonio Spurs have a, have a players only meeting. Anthony Davis criticizes the Lakers for not being a championship team. It's like it's like it's it, it causes a lot of self reflection when when teams lose to the Timberwolves lately. I wonder why that is. I wonder why that is. Well, they were four and nine before this four game streak, and ironically, that was their record when they traded Jimmy Butler a few years ago and went on that little 
mini run with Robert Covington. So we'll see if that is sustainable this year or not. But I think the one thing I think to, to kind of circle back to the main point at the beginning was I, th- I think the one thing we've seen so far is that the defense is a lot better than it was last year and is certainly a lot better than we thought it would be. And to what degree that is, we'll kind of tell the story of, you know, just how good this team can be this year. Absolutely. And I come back to this point all the time. Can they do it on a consistent night in night out basis? It's been looking good so far against some of the teams that they should beat. And that's a good, that's a good sign. If you're a Wolves fan, that that's something that wasn't happening earlier this year, wasn't happening last year or two years ago. Uh, they were in the, they were a part of the basement. Now they seem to be at least elevating themselves from the basement. Uh, I think we could say that over the last week. Good stuff, Chris Hine. We'll do this again soon. All right. All right. Sounds good, Mike. Thank you. Now, Chris and I talked about the uh, t- the Timberwolves' excellent defense so far this season and what has played a role in it. We talked about three point defense. I don't think we gave you the exact stat though. Like the Wolves at twenty nine point seven percent right now rank number one in the NBA in opponent uh, three-point percentage. So that's a, that, again, just like the Gophers men's basketball team, they are have been very good defending the perimeter this season. We'll see how much that number stays as the year goes on, how much of that is their defense versus how much that is other teams missing shots. But as for right now, both of those teams leading, you know, Wolves leading the NBA, Gophers leading the Big Ten in opponent three-point percentage, which is a very good thing to be on top of in this day and age. Let's finish with the cooler and keep it on defense. Did you see Real Salt Lake in Major League Soccer won a playoff game without taking a single shot in regulation? Yes. Regulation in 30 minutes of extra time. They were outshot 21 to nothing by Seattle. But uh, game gets to penalty kicks, 0-0 and Real Salt Lake wins on the sixth penalty kick. So you can win a game without taking a shot in Major League Soccer, but a defensive stand by by Real Salt Lake to uh, to make it all the way to that moment as the underdog, and they now go to the semifinals of the West against Sporting KC. That will do it for today. Like I said, Tanner Morgan coming up on Thursday's show, as well as Mark Craig with his NFL picks and looking ahead to that Vikings 49ers game, which should be very, very interesting. Have a bonus show on Friday. I know I said we wouldn't have one earlier in the week. Well, I talked to Phil Miller about Twins payroll stuff, and it was just too interesting. Couldn't fit it into another show this week, so we are going to use it on Friday. So there will be a Friday show as well. Thanks for joining me here today. I'm Michael Rand. We'll see you again on Thanksgiving.